The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed. And for anybody looking to find new horror movies to watch, I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week, we're counting down our top ten horror movies of 2023. Yeah, I don't know if I get excited for this episode or I dread this episode. Right? It's always like, oh, it's the best of the best. And it's like, the best of the best should not feel this hard to do. (laughs) I just feel really self-conscious about my opinions because this Because Kim doesn't like anything. (laughs) I feel like such a curmudgeon every year because I'm like, I have five, uh, but the rest are, they're okay. That's our own fault. We could just do top fives, but like, nah, fuck it. Top ten sounds better, so that's what we're doing. I'm also very, you know, loosey-goosey with my definition of horror. So this year I have a lot of, you know, like murder mysteries. Okay. Some, you know, like some thrillers, maybe some family movies. (laughs) It's just... I can predict your entire list now just based on what you said. I'm just saying that... It's it's a very robust list. There is a lot of variety. It's eclectic. <laughs> You're going to get recommendations in all corners of cinema. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, personally... I bullshit real well. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I think every year is a good year for horror movies because uh, whether you only like Because you like movies, watching them. Because I like watching them, yeah. But mo- more specifically, I like new movies. Like, I can, I can, if I need to, watch the same ten horror movies that I love over and over and over again. And I will. Uh, yeah. If you look at my letterbox, I do. Uh, but more than anything, I like watching new movies, or at least movies that are new to me. So more often than not, year over year, uh, I skew toward first-time watches. And the easiest first-time watch is whatever's in the movie theater. Yeah, I love just going to the movie theater, too. It's just, like, a, a great way to, like, force yourself to take two hours to appreciate a movie. Because, oh, yeah. Like, we live in such a distracted world that you're, like, on your laptop or you're on your phone or you're reading social media and you're missing all of the work that went into the scenes that are maybe not the yeah, the right? huge climax of the movie. So anything that goes to the theater, I'm like, I gotta go see it. I'm gonna go see it. It's the best way. And horror is one of the only genres that's still, like, really forcing 
the theatrical experience. I mean, apart from superhero movies, but like, who cares? <laughs> you could watch superhero movies at home by yourself. I mean, pretty, people are getting better and better TVs every year. I mean, fuck, if you just watch a superhero movie with over-the-ear headphones and a laptop, that's practically the same experience. Horror You're movies, yelled at. <laughs> horror movies and comedies. Those are the movies that you need to watch with people, or at least at the very least in a dark room that you're kind of unfamiliar with. Like, it amps every experience. You can't tell me that A Quiet Place plays better at home than it did in a movie theater. That made me very uncomfortable. everybody's just like, fuck, can I eat popcorn? I'm not sure if I'm allowed to eat popcorn right now. It was the best. This year in particular, I mean, these aren't necessarily the best movies, uh, but they are the movies of the year. Top three at the box office. What do you think they were, Kim? Ooh, top three at the box office. Now, this is not horror-related, necessarily. Oh, not horror. No, I mean, if you want to take a wild guess at what the top three horror-slash-genre films were at the box office, that'd be fun, too. But I think top three of the year, you could guess two of them. Barbie is yeah, number one. Barbie is number one. Um, <laughs> no surprise. I don't know... Would Oppenheimer be, like, number three? Oppenheimer is number three. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, it is still a little, like, niche, even though everybody who saw Barbie saw Oppenheimer, got, yeah. which makes no sense. It got the Barbie bump, yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was 100% the year of film in 2023 was Barbenheimer. Number two. Yeah. Um, What fucking else came out this year? I'll, I'll give you a hint at the very least. Yeah, give me a... This is considered the worst year for Marvel ever, so don't think of superhero movies, which I know you have an encyclopedic knowledge of. I... Uh, look, what else came out this year? I don't know. What What was number two? Super Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah, that did come out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one. Yep. Didn't see it. No. What do you think <laughs> the top three horror movies were? Um, and this is, I'm pulling this off in case anybody's curious from box office mojo. Like I, I did a little, I did a little extra research to figure out which one was the top grossing film based on budget. Like I did that nerdy work where I was like, well, what was the budget and how much did it make? So who's the real winner here? I'm just like, okay, so top, top three horror films, like what, what movies did Blumhouse put in the theater this year? <laughs> That's a great place to start. <laughs> um, like, even though it wasn't necessarily well-received, is Exorcist number three? Exorcist is not number three. Wow! <laughs> in, in the overall list, Exorcist comes in at uh, number 33. Oh, wow! With a box office of 135 and a budget of 30. That cost them a lot of money. Despite also knowing that it cost them $400 <laughs> million. Uh, is Talk To Me on there? Talk To Me's on there. Talk To Me's a little uh, a little further down it's at 43 oh but here's I thought here's, it was gonna be here's the real success story of talk to me and like this is the outlier where this this is truly maybe one of the most successful horror movies of the year uh talk to me got 91 million dollars at the box office good for them this tiny little fucking movie from australia that cost 4.5 million dollars uh which means that it made back what was it like 200 percent? i don't know no it was 20 times its budget well, anyway, it's definitely it more than 200% because 200% of would 4 million is like, 8 million. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I could have edited it out. <laughs> no, but yeah, in terms of like uh, budget to box office, I think that's one of the most successful Okay, just give the me the top three. Top three. The Meg 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which took in $395 million. Of course it did. Despite costing $139? <laughs> $139 million for that movie. It was all those, like, Jurassic Park creatures they Ooh, added. Yeah. yeah it was <laughs> all of the non-Megs. Yeah. Number two, for horror, at least. So, the Meg came in at number 13 overall. Number 15 overall. Number two for horror, Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay. Probably no big surprise. $286 million. $20 million budget. Wow. And number three. You want to take a guess at this one? No. 
The Nun 2. Oh, wow. 268 million off a $38 million budget. That's crazy. You know, it was in the theater for a really long time. I have not yeah. seen it yet. No, right? <laughs> There's a couple movies we haven't seen uh, that I'm a little upset about. I Well, I, one, I just know I'm not a sequel person, so like I don't feel bad yeah. that I'm making this list and I haven't seen The Nun 2 but there's yet. But there's got to be at least one good there's scare There's going to be great there. scares in it, but the whole kind of Conjuring Sphere plot-wise hasn't been for me, so... I feel pretty confident in saying that I'm sure the scares are fine. Well, number four <laughs> in the horror, you know, catalog is Insidious Red Door. And I think not the Nun 2 and Insidious, and also the, the Exorcist, despite it not doing very well, have one thing going for it that some of the other horror movies don't, and that it's uh, a religious horror movie. So no matter what side of the aisle you're on for religion, you know, you can go see this movie. You can take the church. I don't know if super religious people are, are like, yeah, let's go see the new Conjuring movie. You, you want, where, 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 what else are you going to take the youth group to on Friday night? It's, They're not going to see the nun too, John. They might. <laughs> it feels a little sacrilegious. Okay, well, whatever. I'm surprised, though, that that made so much money. Good, yeah. Good for that sequel spin-off franchise entry. Well, they're going to need some of that money for that lawsuit that Bonnie Aarons is waging against them for taking her likeness. I mean, that entire movie and premise exists on her face. Absolutely, so yeah. So she should be getting all of that action figure money. Yeah, her and Crispin Glover high-fiving, taking that fucking studio for all it's worth. <laughs> How dare you use me upside down? <laughs> so the, um, that's a deep cut if anybody wants to figure out uh, what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> just look up Back to the Future 2 and the lawsuit that Crispin Glover waged against that movie. Because they Marty McFly without Marty McFly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the other surprises in the box office, just before we get into our movies, um, movies like Knock at the Cabin. Don't you remember that being the biggest fucking movie when it came out? Everybody was talking about it. It seemed like everybody saw it. I guess. Overall, 57 on the box office made $54 million. That's it. Yeah. I guess maybe it was it was early enough in the year, people are still leery about going out to the theater. I don't uh, know if that's still I a thing anymore. I think people are also... St- Still a little trepidatious with M. Night Shyamalan. It seemed like everybody was nuts about that movie. And I've seen it pop up on a lot of people's top tens. Oh, Who well. knows? Maybe it'll make an appearance here. Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's the landscape for this year. Those are some of the bigger movies that had come out. Let's get into our top ten picks. And these are movies that you can watch right now. Or at the very least, movies that have played this year. We're not including any festival picks. There were a couple movies on like my like best of that I saw this year that haven't come out yet. Yeah, we used to do kind of like a festival list and a re- release list, but after COVID, kind of movies are releasing a lot quicker than they used to. Oh, God, yeah. We used to see movies like two years ahead of their release, and now that's not really happening anymore, which I'm fine with. Yeah, that's great. I love being able to talk about movies as I see them. Mm-hmm. So this has been this has been a nice improvement. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also hard when putting this list together. Like, how did I feel about that movie two years ago? I mean, I really liked it, but how does it compare against the movies that I watched last week? Which is a problem I always run up Oh, against. yeah, your list is always half half shit you watched on December yep. 13th. Oh, yeah. Even though it's December 7th. <laughs> Got huge recency bias. It just always comes through. The one standout that's that's held hard this whole time, though, is The Shape of Water, which was like my number one movie, I think, in 2017, uh, or whenever it came out, and it, that holds up. So some of the other picks that I've made, I don't know, like if I was reevaluating those lists now, they'd probably get bumped down a little bit, uh, but surprise, surprise, that's how I'm kicking off my list. <laughs> my, my number 10 pick for best of 2023 is Godzilla Minus One. See, I knew we had to see it before we recorded this podcast. I just knew in my heart of hearts that you were going to have it on your list. 
And that's kind of why we're recording this the day we're releasing the episode, which is something we never do. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm going to be editing this immediately as soon as we're done recording and basically putting it out right away. Yeah, we saw Godzilla Minus One. Last night at 1 a.m. <laughs> Last night at 1 a.m. Uh, because we've been sick and we've just been putting it off and like I've been wanting to watch it so fucking bad. And I don't, honestly, it might be higher on my list in a week or two from now. I have no idea. Um, who knows? Maybe it gets pushed off for my number eleven pick, which I'm already sweating over. We'll do honorable mentions, Don. You can, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, talk yeah. about them at the end. But Godzilla minus one, great Godzilla movie. Hard to know how I'll feel about it in six months, kind of deal. But I'm happy to have it on the list. I'm always happy to have another Godzilla movie. And guess what? We got another one coming in 2024. That's right. We're teaming back up with Kong, baby. It's gonna uh, be great. They look like such friends in that trailer. <laughs> Those are the real Super Smash Brothers that I care about. <laughs> Fuck Mario and Luigi. I mean, they're they, you know they're they're nice race car drivers and all, but I like seeing I like seeing that big lizard and that giant monkey punch stuff. Honestly, you having Godzilla minus one on your list makes sense because even if you're still basking in the warm and glow of having seen it like ten hours ago, yeah, the needle drops on the score, fuck right, are like list worthy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> it was a very loud fucking movie. I had my ears plugged most of the time because I'm a crotchety old lady. No, this was the loudest movie <laughs> I've seen ever, and I'm also still sick. But those needle drops, like every single time that was like ba 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 bum, I was very like, oh shit. It's happening. Yeah, these aren't even like needle drops for like a Rob Zombie track. It's just the it's original, just the original. Godzilla, <laughs> Godzilla score from 1954. It's been the song of the summer for 70 years. Fucking Toho out here just doing the Lord's work for almost a century now. Honestly, still banger. Yeah. Oh my God. Still slaps. <laughs> like here's here's the thing about Godzilla Minus One though. And like not huge spoilers or anything because the movie's still in the theater. There's a chance you maybe haven't seen it yet. It is... I'll say the one thing kind of going against it, it's, it's, it is a war movie. Like, it is a World War II survivor's guilt war movie. It's very emotional. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing about most war movies, and this is where most war movies go wrong. They don't have Godzilla in them. <laughs> Imagine Oppenheimer with a fucking giant radioactive monster in you it. You know, it makes sense as, like, a really great metaphor. You know, Godzilla's always kind of been used as a metaphor post-war military personnel are emo godzilla also emo Super emo man <laughs> man if he had a side part in like the the emo bangs <laughs> i would be very happy <laughs> yeah this one this one's great i uh, highly recommend checking this one out while it's still in the theater if you have a chance uh, if you like Godzilla, I think you're really going to dig this one. And you get little baby, like, 20-foot Godzilla right at the very beginning. I know, he's so short at the beginning. Yeah, there are so many things I want to say about this movie, but yeah, I don't want to spoil it. My number 10 is also kind of a recent watch. Mm-hmm. Um, we've kind of been playing catch-up the last month or so to make sure we've we've seen anything that was kind of on our radar before we did the list. And this one slipped by us for a while, mainly because it was released on Hulu. We do not have Hulu in Canada. Nope. Um, apparently it's on Crave, but Crave is like $30 a month, and I'm not about that life. Well, it's HBO, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> it's No One Will Save You. And I think maybe this is going to be somewhere on your list, because uh, I think you also enjoyed it. This little movie is part sci-fi, part, like, nostalgic, stylized, romanticized little action movie. It's very, it was, I was very surprised with it. It's quiet. There's maybe no dialogue. I can't remember. There is five lines of dialogue in the whole movie. And it's about the first encounter and just, like, how 
very involved that is. You think it's going to be a subtle movie but the, by the tone of it and the palette of it and just like kind of the vibe. And it's not that at all. You get creatures right from the get-go and they are there the entire movie. This is this is a survival movie. We are following one lead character and she is just trying to survive the greys. And she does a real great job of it. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's very complicated because you're emotionally, you don't know where to land on the sphere of you know, who's good and who's bad. You don't really have time to process because you're just in escape mode and it's a really great little action movie. I know, right? You're you're with her the whole time. She never says a goddamn word. This is like Prey from a couple years ago, also a Hulu uh, release, Disney Plus release here in Canada, is the crime of the year. This movie should have gone to the theater. And like maybe it's also because, like talking about how you were expecting it to be so subtle, and maybe restrained, is that it's only available on streaming. And there's, I don't know, like there's a... Streaming is almost a genre sometimes, uh, more than just a delivery system. And this movie's huge. Like, this movie should be seen on the big screen. Yeah, and, you know, for a monster that's entirely CGI and is, like, very present in the film, they do such a great job. The rendering is great. Like, the interaction with the zombie... With this, I almost said zombies. Yeah. The interaction with the aliens is really good, and and I was not expecting that. Like, uh-huh. she is up close and personal with them the entire movie, and it is great. Yeah, killer fight sequences in this movie. It's a great action horror movie. I love that we're we're both starting this list off with monster picks. I feel very confident about the rest of this list. And now uh, we're going to try and update you on where you can watch some of these movies. Obviously, Godzilla Minus One still in the theater. I'm sure at some point you'll be able to stream it somewhere. Where can people check out No One Will Save You? Uh, it's on Hulu and Disney Plus, I'm assuming. Yeah, Hulu in the States, Disney Plus in Canada. Mm. My number nine pick. You know, going going back to what we were saying at the beginning of this episode, a movie that we saw almost, I think, a year and a half ago, but finally came out this year. A little horror anthology called Satanic Hispanics. I love this fucking movie. I love horror anthologies in general. Uh, This is a great collection of stories. I think the wraparound is fun, and it's got so much humor in it while still having, like, some of the best horror images of the year. And some surprising picks from the filmmakers. We had uh, the majority of them on the podcast earlier this year, and, like, Gigi Saul Guerrero's segment is unlike anything you've seen her do before. Like, it's arguably the most serious and most dour, which I would never have expected from her. The funniest segment is from Eduardo Sanchez, who created the Blair Witch Project, also did an alien movie that we might do on the podcast at some point. I've been trying to push it, push Kim for it. I think she'd really dig it. Uh, but yeah, Satanic Hispanics, killer horror anthology, and uh, just like super kooky and fun. That's so great. I'm glad you put it on there because I like I love a horror anthology. I always feel weird about putting it on my top list because it's just like, is this a cheat? Because like oh because it's because maybe you don't like one of the segments you're like well who cares you know? <laughs> but but I just like horror anthologies in general so yeah. horror anthology bump <laughs> absolutely well yeah the other thing too is that like it really comes together in the end like each segment is super fun the wraparound has a purpose and like you know maybe is uh, the connective tissue there isn't as strong as you always want it to be but by the time you get to the end like the wraparound has its own full expanded story that uh, maybe not necessarily explains everything but like fleshes out the world that they're building in a really interesting way and I just think is uh, just a great collection of horror shorts and just like a killer Friday night pick. 
Like if you want to get a if you want to get a case of beer and a, and a box of pizza, like a box of pizza. If you want to get a case pizza of pizza, does come in a box. It does come in a box. <laughs> Fine, yeah. <laughs> if you want to get a stack of pies and some and some beer, this is a perfect Friday night pick. And you can check that out this weekend on VOD. Okay, so my number nine pick, I feel bad because all of my like lower movies are definitely gonna be higher on your list. So <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be wanting to talk about them, but you're not gonna because they're coming up in a minute. So I'll sure. just be really super brief on this because yeah. I know you liked it more than me. Okay. Thanksgiving is my number nine pick. Yeah, that's a good pick. <laughs> uh and I, I you know why this landed on my list? It was kind of like in principle. It's uh, an original slasher that mm-hmm. landed in the theaters. And I know it's kind of like a spin-off of Grindhouse, but it's so small a spinoff that it hardly counts and we've just been so inundated with you know like scream eight and uh halloween back again that (laughs) (laughs) that it's just so nice to watch an original killer in the theater and the kills were really fun they were super kitschy and cheesy and i love that it's holiday vibed which i also love Uh so i just had a lot of fun with it and it was it was just a great theater experience. Now I'm just imagining every uh, franchise movie that came out this year with a bad sequel, like Exorcist 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> How Insidious Got Her Door Back. <laughs> you know, shit like that. But yeah, no, I'll absolutely be talking about Thanksgiving soon. I uh, loved this fucking movie. Just a great, gritty kind of slasher. Gritty's maybe not the right word for it. But yeah, it's just, gritty. Yeah, it's it's a, a woman gets cooked into a, like, as a dinner turkey. <laughs> I would call that gritty. Man, it's it's been a what like fifteen year road to this movie. Like we have been waiting so long. I'm finally. I'm glad we finally got it. And by the by all accounts, might be getting a sequel. We are getting a sequel. Fuck yes. Yeah, Eli Roth just posted a video. Who's like, guess what? Another one. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you know, it made, uh, I've, I've got numbers for fucking everything on here. Thanksgiving, it made $36 million at the box office. Currently, number 71 overall. If we're lucky, might get it up to 69 before the end of the year. <laughs> um, and that one is still in theaters, so you can't stream it yet. Um, but if you, if you catch it while it's still in theaters, it's definitely worth it. The kills are fun. Oh, yeah. My number eight pick. A movie that has been slip sliding around my top ten, like like crazy, like just as much as Godzilla. Like I put Godzilla on, I'm like, oh, that's maybe too high. Maybe I should just calm down a little bit. Let's slide it back. And like this one's also been just like moving around. At some point, it was off the list. It was in the top five. It moved back <laughs> down. Uh, but I'm talking about Brandon Cronenberg's super fucked up Infinity Pool. Now, Infinity Pool, if you've forgotten or you haven't checked it out, is a weird fucking story. I mean, I don't know if you heard the last name associated with it, but he is absolutely his father's son. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg makes incredibly visually fucked up movies. Uh, And like that is 100% like the biggest strength of all of his movies. Everything that he does is isn't just practical effects. It's in camera. So he has these huge in all of his movies. He has these psychedelic sequences. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it's all done with like lights and mirrors. And it's it's all trick photography. And none of it's done in post. Like you would think like, oh, this is just a fun little filter. You just click like, oh, just let's put a little acid trip on this sequence. (laughs) It's it's all done in camera. Like what he's seeing on the monitor is what 
what you're seeing on the screen when you watch the movie. Uh, it stars Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth in one of the craziest roles. Like, she seems to just keep topping herself She's movie just after like, movie. She's just like, how much more unhinged can I get? And then she releases another movie. <laughs> right? Yeah, my, uh, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking here, my three good things after we saw it at Sundance earlier this year. Three good things about Infinity Pool. Mia Goth eats a bucket of chicken on the hood of a car. <laughs> Number two, Skarsgård stunt cock. <laughs> 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 depending on the cut you saw. <laughs> yeah, depending on the cut you saw. My dad, after I recommended the movie to him, messaged me afterward to let me know he definitely saw the uncut version. <laughs> He's like, you did not tell me I was going to watch somebody get a handy real close up in this movie. Sorry, dad. Uh, number three, someone gets ripped in half like a gory, blood-filled English muffin. So there are lots of also practical effects in this I movie. I don't remember the English muffin scene. It's, it's during one of a hundred trippy sequences where people are just <laughs> fucked up on drugs and they're just killing each other because it's a story about a guy who finds out that uh, this idyllic sort of vacation area that they're staying at has a very strange uh, law where any any severe crime that you commit is punishable by execution. Uh, of course, though, if you're super rich, you can pay $100,000 or whatever to get a clone made of yourself and have them murdered in your place, which, if you're uber rich, means you can do whatever the fuck you want and then also, you know, have the experience of watching yourself get murdered by somebody. Yeah, and that's fucked up. And that's fucked up. I think about the end of this movie constantly. Uh, and it is, it's a movie that has definitely stuck with me this year. Honestly, we do need to rewatch it because we watched it so long ago that I'm just, I, I'm ready to like re-experience it. Yeah. And not because this is appearing later on my list, but it is available on Hulu and VOD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're, in, if you're in Canada, it's also available on Crave. Okay, so my number eight pick, we're starting into like my kind of, you know, getting a little loosey-goosey on the definition of horror, uh-huh. but I had so much fun with this one that, I, I don't care, it's on my list, is the latest Haunted Mansion movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I just enjoyed this. It was so fun and so silly, and I just love ghosts, and I also am like such a huge fan of the Haunted Mansion ride that I will watch anything that has Haunted Mansion on it, and uh-huh. Disney knows that, so they keep putting out shit. But I, I just had a lot of fun with this movie, and yes, it's kind of a mess. All of the reviews are correct. It's a little bit of a mess, but... It's, Have you guys seen any Disney movie in the what, last 20 what? years? That's what Disney does. Two, it's based on a ride that has 999 different ghosts in it. So, like, I'm kind of going to permit it being a mess. And the, they focus heavily on a ghost that doesn't exist in the ride. <laughs> that, was, that, that is, like, a rumor and yeah. deep cut. And from, the, <laughs> from the concept art before the ride was even opened in the 60s. It's fine. <laughs> this movie really landed for me because of the side characters. They really stole the show. Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, and Tiffany Haddish, like, uh-huh. Completely made the movie for me. They are so fun and so silly, and they just, like, lighten up every single scene. The main story, it is what it is. But the side characters fucking make this movie, and it it was so much fun. A lot of good laughs in this movie. I had just so much fun with it. We were so surprised after seeing it in the theater, because we were like, eh, we've heard a lot of bad things, but, I mean, are we really going to not go see the Haunted Mansion in the theater? And it was a lot of fun. We've watched it since. Like, we watched it again for Halloween. Like, I don't understand why everybody didn't like it so much. It's it's a great time. Uh, it made no money at the box office, I can tell you that. Uh, it would landed at number... This is the craziest thing. It landed at number 39, making uh, $117 million at the box office, which you would think is not bad, except the fact that it cost $150 million. <laughs> 
it seems like it was a movie that they made for streaming though like they they the theatrical is like a little bit of a bump for them because yeah. it's going to be in their Halloween collection forever exactly it, they, it came out right in time for Halloween it seemed like they made not necessarily rushed it to the theater but there was not a lot of promotion around it at all which is a which is a which is a bummer but it's still a good movie nothing's going to change that and yeah, you can watch it on Disney Plus anytime you want. Yeah, I had a ton of fun with it. I'm still really sad that like Guillermo del Toro hasn't been able to do his Haunted Mansion movie, oh, and now we've had crime. two live-action Haunted Mansion movies, but I am going to continue to see them all, and they can just keep making them. Right? There's no way that Guillermo del Toro would have ever fucking hired Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> As the main I didn't villain. even mention that. It was such an unneeded role, but like... <laughs> I don't understand. Like, the voices change so much that it, you you do not know that it's Jared Leto. How do you think he went method for this movie? Do you think he insisted He people... definitely carried around a hat the entire time. You didn't think he tried to get people to insist that he was CGI? Like, no, we, we all live in a simulation, especially me, because I'm CGI. He wore a purple velvet cape while he was recording the audio. <laughs> uh, but you can watch that, obviously, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. My number seven pick, a movie Kim has already mentioned, is No One Will Save You. I fucking loved this movie. <laughs> we start, we put it on as background noise while we were doing crafts for Halloween. Like, we were painting. <laughs> and, and I just put everything down to watch this movie. I did not know that it was uh, sort of a silent film. Like, that's how I'm, I'm describing it. It's, sure, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. silent film for 2023. There's no dialogue. Everything about this movie is told visually, and it's fucking brilliant. Uh, we're seeing more and more movies where there are characters or just whole sequences that have no dialogue, and I fucking love it. Uh, I think it's a great move. We've got Silent Night in the movie theater right now, an action movie from John Woo that has no dialogue in it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm confident it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I already love it. <laughs> yeah. A movie that's not on my top ten, because I didn't necessarily think it was super duper horror, but Sisu, it's got plenty of dialogue in it, but the main character says fucking nothing. Uh, it's a tool It's a tool that some filmmakers are starting to use more and more, and I think it's great. It's They're embracing the visual portion of the medium, and now I love, I love directors and storytellers that can convey something without hitting you over the head with it. And you know what? It's a ga- it's a great way to get people's eyes off their fucking phones. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you can't multitask while watching the movie. Like, yeah, you're gonna... If if you watch something at home, you're probably gonna be on your phone doing something else while nothing's happening. But then an action sequence starts and you pay attention. But you're gonna miss everything in No One Will Save You if you don't watch. Like, the whole movie is in glances and expressions, and it's... Uh, it's an emotional journey. <laughs> and yeah, it has some incredible alien sequences man love a good alien invasion movie still super sour we didn't get to see it in the movie theater and i'm stoked that it's on both our lists and yeah like we'd mentioned before you can watch this on hulu or disney plus depending on where you live okay so my number seven pick is another recent watch something that i was surprised made it on my list because you usually i'm not too big on prequels mm-hmm. um but this one is called Sister Death, yeah. and it is a prequel to Paco Plaza's Veronica. If you saw that a few years ago, it is a kind of a possession movie. 
it's got a lot, a lot of religious overtones as possession movies do, but it had a really iconic nun in it who's blind and she, you know, she's all knowing and she has all the information. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's also really big, big into eclipses. And this is a prequel, but it's so loosely related to the original movie that you can watch it having not watched Veronica oh, or having not been refreshed on Veronica. It is its own standalone story and it's such a strong prequel. It's a ghost story and it's so well done. Very classic ghost story where, you know, the ghost isn't just doing things for the sake of haunting the place. Yes. Everything makes sense and it all comes together with a nice little bow and it was a really great little movie. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of very like early Guillermo del Toro. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. It gave me a lot of like Devil's Backbone vibes or the Orphanage. Yes, I kept and thinking I thinking about that movie. Too I right. just it's definitely going to be in that rewatch every three years when I forget it because it's it's such a good little ghost story and it. It just really came together so well. I was yeah. so surprised when I watched it because I was just like, okay, why does this keep happening? Why does this keep happening? And it's all happening for a reason. Yeah. It's uh, not a movie that I was like incredibly anticipating because, yeah, again, it's it's a prequel to a movie I've already seen and like. But on the other hand, it's made by a guy who's got some fucking bangers in the back catalog. Paco Plaza, like you mentioned, did Veronica. He's also uh, one of the guys that made Wreck or the Wreck series. Uh, incredible filmmaker, super sad ghost story, like all the best ghost stories Yeah, are. they're all fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, and just a, a cool little haunting, chilling uh, ghost story, which is on Netflix, Like, and you can watch it any day you want. Mm-hmm. My number six pick, again, a movie Kim has already mentioned, Eli Ross Thanksgiving. <laughs> I knew it was going to be higher on your list. Fuck, <laughs> what a good movie, guys. What a great slasher. In a year where we were maybe, I don't know about you, disappointed in uh, Scream 6. It was a good movie. It was fine. Too many people lived. <laughs> Too many fucking people lived in that goddamn movie. And that is a mistake that Eli Roth tried not to make in this one. Uh, frankly, I do think too many people lived in this one, but man, the kills in this were absolutely brutal, and it it just it just revels in its own gore, you know. Like it's not uh, overwrought; it's not trying to necessarily like dig a knife in your stomach and twist it with every kill. It's a hoorah kind of movie. It was a great. I had a great time watching this with uh, with a live audience. People were really reacting to it, and yeah, just some of the most inventive kills. Uh, we, we, we'd recorded a review for it on, on Patreon if you want to hear our full thoughts. I, personally, did not have any issues with how long <laughs> the kill sequences would go on. Kim had a bit of a seesaw effect where she was really in and then she left, but... I was just butthurt that it wasn't retro like the trailer. I really wanted oh, it to be set that. like in the past and be really gritty and grindhousey. Yeah. But it, it was a nice little polished slasher and, you know, studios probably wanted that, so... Mm-hmm. I'm getting going to pass. <laughs> yeah, it was a little polished, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one again because, like, from my memory, there are nuggets at the very beginning and sprinkled throughout that sort of, like, imply who the killer is. It's a great mystery, I'll say that. Like, it really brings back the whodunit of the slasher. I really did not know who the killer was going to be until, like, right before the reveal. Uh, and, yeah, they do, a, they do a great job of forecasting it without forecasting it. Uh, horror movies can be pretty brutal about that. Be like, oh, my dad taught me how to do this when I was a kid. You're like, well, okay, that's going to fucking come back. I mean, that did movie. happen with That the... exact thing <laughs> happened in Thanksgiving, but it was with that only, gun. only one, and it wasn't the entire movie. Yeah, no, okay, fine. But some of the best kills of the year, goddammit, loved, loved Thanksgiving. Speaking of whodunits, my number six pick is the most whodunity of my list. Uh-huh. It's a haunting in Venice. I would like to personally thank you 
for putting this on your list. You're welcome. And for also putting The Haunted Mansion on your list. The You're two, welcome. The two of the biggest <laughs> movies that I was stressing over, I'm like, I can't believe I'm not going to... Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's on my list. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> take it away, Kim. Thank you so much for doing this. So I'm just a sucker for murder mysteries. I love them so much. I, I think the huge cast stuck in a spot is just such a great format for any story. It works in so many mediums. It works in books, it works in theater, and it works in movies. Yeah. It's great. Uh-huh. You get all of these different personalities and characters, and we learn, like you know, like all of those, like, seedy intertwinings, and people are blackmailing people, and these people are robbing other people, and it's just gossip. It's, uh-huh. you're just, you just get an hour and a half of gossip and somebody dies in it. Yeah, if you and need it, a break from reality TV, <laughs> this is the movie. It, it, honestly, so wonderful. And what really elevated this one for me is that it's fucking set on Halloween, baby. Oh, man. It looks so good. It's Kenneth super it haunting such a good job. and spooky. It's got Michelle Yao as a psychic. Yeah. She's fantastic. And... I just loved it. Creepy I had, puppets, I creepy had, shadows. Oh, so, and a vintage Halloween vibe. It's set in Venice. It's got masquerade vibes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just so much fun. I had such a great theater experience seeing this. It was released around Halloween time. Obviously, would not land the same any other time of the year. Yep. But it was just like such a great way to get in the Halloween mood. I would love to be able to see this in theaters in October, like, all the time. Yeah. Hopefully, like, they kind of do, like, re-theatrical releases of it. Ooh, that's tough. I'm not sure. I think we are getting one more Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie story, though, uh, if I remember correctly. So there's at least one more coming. I, I hope, I honestly, I I hope we get one every year. I, I would watch one of these every single year indefinitely. I, I tip my hat a little too much, but it's, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't make my list. It's probably, like, my number one honorable mention. Uh, I love the mystery of this. Also, so many weird angles in this movie. Like, every odd camera lens, every Dutch angle. Those are the angle. ghosts, John. It was ghost <laughs> <Yeah>. POV. <laughs> this, yeah, this was a great mystery and a great ghost story. I'm very happy it's on your list. Yeah, so you can watch Haunting in Venice on Hulu and VOD. I feel like my entire list is like a Hulu ad yeah. this week. <laughs> yeah, in Canada, you can watch it on Disney+. Plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. My number five pick, another as much as uh, it's a, it's almost a guarantee that I'm gonna have a big giant monster movie on my list. It's also pretty much a guarantee in any given year that if there is one, that I'll have a Frankenstein movie on my list, and I'm picking Birth Rebirth. You guys gotta check this one out. It's not a straight through and through Frankenstein story, but it is sort of a mad scientist story about a woman who loses her daughter suddenly, and with the help of a creepy uh, mortician that works in her hospital, they're bringing her daughter back to life. Uh, it's very indie, very restrained. It's kind. Of, it mostly takes place in one apartment building and like a couple scenes in a hospital. Uh, but it's a very character-driven Frankenstein story um, with two female mad scientists. I think that completely changes it because Frankenstein has a very, like, I'm the father, I'm the, the creator of this thing. And there's a maternal quality to how they're approaching 
taking care of this this girl and and the responsibility like the ethics of doing this and it's also just has maybe one of the darkest final shots of of any movie this year uh i really dug this one i'd like to revisit it at some point but i think about this movie constantly and i think it's on shutter right now i think you can watch it on shutter tonight that's great i'm not surprised at all that it's on your list like as yeah. soon as we watched it i was like oh this is a john movie oh yeah like, you love frankenstein and you also love a subtle horror movie so oh yeah absolutely Okay, so my number five pick, and I am surprised. I am so surprised that I have this higher than you. Oh. Honestly, you're going to, after we finish this list, you're going to be like, why did I put it so low? Um, Infinity Pool. Yeah. How did I like this more than you? <laughs> I don't know. You love me a god. <laughs> I do. And I also love Brandon Cronenberg, and I also love me a Skarsgård. Has a Skarsgård ever done you wrong? Like, never. <laughs> never. Not even me a Skarsgård. <laughs> Oh, you love you, uh, Scars. I love me, uh, Scars. That fucked my brain up. I was <laughs> like, I think she made a mistake here. Yeah, no, you you do love a Scars. <laughs> I just love um, Brandon Cronenberg because he he's been putting out like really polished and sleek movies that are so fucking trippy yeah. and gross underneath mm-hmm. that you could trick somebody into watching it. You they watch the first 10 minutes and they're like, "Oh, this is going to be like a cerebral thriller." And then there's like guts and stuff and you're like, "Ha, I've done it." Oh yeah. It's just such a weird collage of ideas and just like a mind fuckery that I am on board the entire time. I love the the concepts that this poses. It's about class and it's also about the technology that is definitely coming in a weird kind of way (laughs) so it's just it's horrifying in in classic ways like you're seeing guts and innards and violence and and people going crazy and the degradation of society and all of that stuff but then there's also like the trippier larger implications it's just a lot to ruminate over and it's just like a lot in a single movie and it's also sleek and pretty and all of those things you like. So oh, yeah. I, yeah, I had a ton of fun with this one. Yeah, he's... Maybe fun is not the right word. <laughs> I enjoyed this one. <laughs> no, you're right. Like every single one of his movies, antiviral, possession, possessor, and, and infinity pool, they all seem like they're set five minutes in the future and it just, none of his movies make you optimistic. Yeah, about five minutes what's in the coming. future and you're like, we're fucked. Yeah, abs- <laughs> it's not, we're going downhill fast. And it's scary. Like I told you, this this movie was slip sliding around my list like mad. It was in my top five at one point, and it, I don't know. Like it just it just kept moving around. I'm but surprised yeah. to see what else is on your list. Um, but Infinity Pool, Hulu, and VOD. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Brandon Cronenberg, really a filmmaker like no other right now, because like so many movies. Maybe his dad, fucking... who's still making movies. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. Uh, you know, they uh, his movies do not follow a standard template. Like if you're bogged down by just every movie feeling copy and paste from the last one Brandon Cronenberg is a filmmaker to pay attention to because 100% his movies are unlike anything else you're nece- you're seeing anywhere in my number four pick we're in the top five baby yeah and to be perfectly honest I think we might have the same top four maybe do you think so order. yeah okay should well, we I just guess, talk about not, them together you? then let's just talk about them together if we have the same the same top five. Ooh, okay sure my number four is talk to me. We are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I know they're not identical, but I have a pretty good feeling that our top four movies are probably identical. This is true. That's just a guess. The talk to me, 
I feel like I don't need to sell this movie to anybody, but is is you know this year's coolest teenage horror movie. Uh, you know, we don't have dream demons and we don't have a masked killer running around, but what we do have is a new party drug called fucking ghosts, baby. We got a hand, an embalmed hand from a psychic medium that if you shake hands with it and say, talk to me, uh, you can see a ghost. And if you say, I let you in, the ghost possesses you, but only for 60 seconds at a time, because otherwise you might get possessed forever. Yay! Oh man, what a, what a, oof. <laughs> What a movie. Yeah, those Australians, they don't fuck around, man. That's so true. Australian horror, you can just depend on to, like, fuck you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this was uh, this was a big surprise hit uh, out of Sundance. We didn't know much of anything going in. We knew about the hand. That was kind of about it. And like, this is this is always the best experience with film festivals. And I would encourage you in 2024, uh, you know, if you've been thinking about it, Get an online pass for a film festival, or if you're near one, go and see as many movies as you can that you know nothing about. Because going into a movie completely blind, it really changes the entire experience. Like, I've talked to people who saw Hereditary at Sundance who knew nothing. Like, oh, a family deals with grief, and there's a dark shadow that looms over them. Honestly, Hereditary fucked me up when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, and we, we <laughs> Because knew, I knew nothing. We knew very little going in, and like, but then you get... Like it's like makes such a splash at film festivals, and you have months and months and months of people telling you that it's the scariest thing they've ever seen, and that can dull it a little bit by the time it comes out. But I think the reception for Talk to Me has been pretty positive. I think everybody dug this one, and it's just some gross fucking uh, ghoul, you know, ghost uh, makeup. It's almost like society, like how orgiastic it is. I love when a ghost is not just like com- entirely done in an ethereal way. Like I love me an ethereal ghost. Oh sure, but. I think it was really warranted to have some goopy, gross ghosts in this. Yeah. And some some of them you only see for like a half a second and then never again. But it's just, it hits you. It's, it does. Yeah. It's so good. I'm not going to add to uh, your, your praise at all because I might be talking about it in a minute or two. My number four pick, and I, I don't know if this is going to be in your top four. Mm, who knows? Maybe it will. Uh, Renfield. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like gauging reactions like Renfield. I know I'm trying to put on a poker face right now. <laughs> and again, you know, so many of the picks that I put on my list is purely for like a fun basis. Mm-hmm. I really like to, you know, like sign off and enjoy a movie. <laughs> I like to enjoy the movies that I pay for. <laughs> and I'm really just looking for fun. And yeah. this movie fucking delivered. Nick Cage is unhinged as you expect. He's such a great Dracula. Mm-hmm. And we see him in like the not so debonair moments, which I wasn't expecting. He's like, fucked up. Yeah, like movie. we see him coming back from, you know, the brink of death and he's gooey and he's gross and his relationship with Renfield is played in this like abusive relationship this dynamic of power and it's done in such a fun way it's it's an action film and it's got gross gory moments but they're done in like a a kitschy cartoony kind of way and it's it was just so much fun yeah this was truly the heartbreaker of the year Renfield did not do very good at the box I'm office. I'm so sad that this movie didn't do so well. Honestly, I think I've seen it the most of all of the movies that came out this year. I think I've, we've seen it four times. I've, yeah, like we just keep watching it and I'm not sick of it. Yeah, we've seen it uh, at home. We've seen it in a movie theater with a live audience who fucking loved it. I think that was also the other thing. I, I don't. I think people just... It seems like the marketing didn't do very well for this movie and people didn't get a chance to see it in the theater because it is a laugh out loud riot. And with a live audience, like we had a great time watching it ourselves at home, but with a live audience, it was like a hundred times better. 
which is probably true about any movie in existence. But yeah, Renfield only made $26 million at the That's box office. That's a crime. Off a $65 million budget. <sighs> and yeah, like, I just, I felt like we're just watching a completely different movie from everybody else looking at the ratings like the critic ratings and to be perfectly honest even some of the audience ratings so you know like whatever it didn't hit with everybody who saw it but it's the saddest story of the year that this movie was not a blockbuster hit I think it's gonna find its audience soon I just don't think the right people saw it cause I'll say from the first trailer I was bummed out thinking that this was just gonna be another boring superhero movie and it follows a similar superhero uh, template but was an incredibly fun time yeah maybe people weren't le- expecting like the level of cheese yeah and I'm just so keen on cheese <laughs> <laughs> I'm keen on cheese baby yeah <laughs> Uh, Renfield is right now on Amazon Prime, so you can stream it, and it's also on VOD. You can rent it. Yeah. Uh, we didn't mention it for Talk To Me, but that's also, at least in Canada, I'm not sure about the United States, coming to Netflix. So if you've got a VPN <laughs> or you live in Canada, it you is, can watch it on it Netflix It is on VOD right now. You can rent yeah, it. <laughs> you can rent it. Yeah, absolutely. My number three pick. We're just like... <laughs> Guns pointed at each other, trying to like, do you know what I'm going to say? Do you have it on your list? My number three pick is The Outwaters. That's my number three pick. All right, let's we talk aligned. about it. Let, there we go. Okay, <laughs> Outwaters. Man, what a fucked up movie. Yeah, this movie fucked me up like a year and a half ago, and I'm still recovering. Yeah, we made friends with people at the theater when we saw this movie. Like, we all sort of stumbled out of our screening, like, what the fuck did we just Well, see? it was like two in the morning, yeah. and everything was closed, and we were like, I need decompress i need to process we hung out with these people for hours after the movie just talking about it like what the fuck did we just see what does it mean we had such an incredible theatrical experience that a year later ran into those same people and we're like oh it's you the outwaters guys like we we all just hung out all night talking about this movie uh truly one of the best theatrical experiences of the year for sure uh it's jarring it's not the most pleasant theatrical experience. It's an assault. Uh, and it's... The best found footages are. <laughs> really. They really, really are. Uh, yeah, if you're, you can watch this movie at home right now. I believe it's on Screenbox. Uh, Kim's going to double check that for me. It's so on Roku, a... it's on Tubi, <laughs> okay. and it's on Screenbox. There we go. <laughs> watch it at home as late at night as possible. Yeah, as delirious as you can be. Yes, and watch it. Super loud. I mean, to be perfectly honest, the movie is already super loud. And it has some really loud screechy moments. It's supposed to be screechy, though. Don't turn it down. Let it, <laughs> let, let it punch you in the ears. But yeah, this movie is as cosmic as any H.P. Lovecraft story without being as dumb as some H.P. Lovecraft stories are. Whoa. But yeah, it's as, it's like the Blair Witch. It's it's a cosmic horror the way that a, the Blair Witch Project is also kind of a cosmic horror. Like it just, it, it gives you a feeling in the pit of your stomach and it does not have, it does not give you all the answers. Yeah, and that's what's so great about it. And two, we were speaking earlier about how Brandon Cronenberg does a lot of in-camera stuff. That's something that's so cool about The Outwaters too. And it's even more insane because it's found footage. Yeah. Normally with found footage, you're you're depending a lot on, you know, like the actors' faces and noises off camera because it's hard to serendipitously catch huge scares in a found footage film. So you're leaning a lot on reactions and kind of like suspending your disbelief. And the Outwaters just like derails entirely it plays with what found footage is and can be and what found footage can show you mm-hmm. so much so that you, you like you can't trust the camera yes and that's something i have never experienced in a found footage film before and it blew my mind and as somebody yeah. who is a huge found footage fan 
it was just next level for me i know it's even now it's a genre that i'm like oh we've seen everything this this genre can do like found footage isn't gonna do anything i mean i won't ever get sick of it but you, you, yeah some of us no have but, that. but but then <laughs> but then a movie like the outwaters comes out and you're like oh i've absolutely never seen a found footage movie do that and you know uh it's in the pantheon now of best found footage movies ever for, made. for sure that it, it is up there like instantaneously up there for me because it just it blew my mind and it's I think it's going to be so rewatchable too, mm-hmm. just because there's so many things that like don't make sense to you upon first watch. I don't think they're ever going to make sense to you, but you're going to have theories. Well, yeah, I think it's everybody that I've talked to has a sense of what the movie's doing and what the movie's about. But I also I love that I get the impression from everyone that we don't want the answer you know like it's it's a movie that is uh like a david lynch movie it's the experience of watching it is the movie you know like you don't necessarily want the answers but you love the puzzle that it's building inside your head while you watch it like you can tell that the answers are there and they're just out of reach like fucking real life you know like you never a hundred percent get the answers for things but you intuitively sense what's happening I'm maybe talking too much about the movie, but yeah, God, what a, what a fucked up found footage movie. <laughs> so my number two pick, let's, let's, let's flip the order here because like I got to introduce that one. What's your number two pick? My number two pick is something that you already had on your list. Mm-mm. Talk to me. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's just such a good premise. I know we've, I, this is going to be the exact same thing as you said, but it's, it's such an amazing premise that. I'm I'm so stoked to see what they do with it because I know that the studio system is going to like hook their claws in it and make it as many as they possibly can. Ooh, I hope not. But you know what? Kind of like how I'm cool with there being a trillion final destinations, mm-hmm. you can have you can do so many unique things with this yeah. because the hand is going to keep being passed along. Um, so we're going to get unique stories and unique lives and really unique ghosts. And that's that's the best thing about this. And one of the things I liked the most about it is I find youth really hard in kind of like modern horror, really hard to relate to. Okay. And it's, I, it's usually like a 40 or 50 year old writing teenagers. Yeah. And I, and I honestly feel like we really haven't nailed the the digital age and youth mm-hmm. we haven't figured out quite entirely how you know like gen z is using the internet and i i feel we're seeing the most realistic depiction of it in talk to me because yeah. it is kids using tiktok and recording their lives in a way that makes sense yeah yeah because it's not that the ghost is coming from tiktok oh it's like like the ring i mean like the ring kind of nailed that in a really really interesting way but so many movies now are like, the ghost is in the phone, and when you open the app, you're haunted, and the ghost will come get you. But no, it's it's the, the I dare you to do this of a TikTok challenge. Yes, exactly. And it also is that like FOMO and that wanting to have that experience for the content that you could have from it. Like, yeah. it really nails what being a teenager is like. And, and you kind of said it's a party drug movie, but it's about ghosts. And it, it really nails what teenagerdom is like mm-hmm. and the the demands and the pressure and, and and all of that but in a 
terrifying and supernatural way and it's just fucking good and i just love how dark it is it's not kind to its, its characters no. and horror nowadays is way too kind to its characters absolutely so yeah this was such a fucking banger yeah man i like this movie a lot i'm glad it's so high on your list i did have a feeling you were probably gonna put it a little higher than me and my number two i'm surprised i got it higher than you renfield wow good god is this movie fun like what a fucking great movie play pays homage to every movie that came before it like the opening sequence is kind of like a hammer horror movie like we literally are in like recreating scenes from the 1931 dracula oh so fun it it makes fun of ska music (laughs) you know it is it is just a fucking blast i loved everything about this movie uh so much fun i feel like i've already said everything about it but I'm really looking forward to people rediscovering this movie in a couple years and uh, giving it its due. It is cartoonishly fun. Honestly, I think this movie is going to find a really great audience on streaming yeah. and like VOD. Maybe people were just weren't keen enough to like go and like drop eight dollars plus forty dollars for pop and popcorn on yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like they're going to find it on streaming and they're going to be like, "Why didn't I? Uh-huh. What did I?" What have, what, have I, what have I done? So, some incredible gore in this movie. Some of the best gory gags. A dude gets his fucking face ripped off like it's a fruit roll-up. You get arm nunchucks. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, yeah, and just like some incredible one-liners from Nicolas Cage. Um, like he's eating somebody's finger. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, that's Doug. Doug is trash! You know, like, <laughs> oh. And poor so Nicholas Holt. I feel like he's been doing these great characters for like a really long time, and he just has never been getting his due. He's so good in this. Absolutely. Everybody's great in this. Just so fun. So what's your number one? I think we already mentioned you can... Wait, why am I going first? Oh, we switched up. We switched order a little bit. All right, so my number one pick... Do you want to... Okay, on the count of three, because there's a pretty good chance there's a movie you have not mentioned, there's a movie that I know I haven't mentioned that I think we might both have on our list. I don't know. I don't know if this is the the case, though. I Did you love it as much as me? I think on the count of three, we should both say our number one out loud. If we're lucky, they match. If they don't, no big deal. You get to go first, okay? Okay. One, two, three. The The Pale pale Blue blue Eye. eye. I'm so happy it's your number one. <laughs> uh, maybe the first movie we saw this year. Honestly, you were like, this came out this year on your list when I was making mine. I go off his letterbox. He records the movies we watch all year so that we can do this. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the nerd. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise I would have no idea what we watched this year. Technically, hit theaters like the end of December. Hey, so, it, so did it, Megan. I think it just did a preview or something, but it landed on Netflix on like the first week of January. I think it was the first thing we watched. Uh-huh. And the the second we saw it, I was like, I have seen my number one of the year already. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> astounding. It's an Edgar Allan Poe mystery. And, you know, I'm sorry. I, I love Edgar Allan Poe. And I love Edgar Allan Poe in a way that I don't think Mike Flanagan does. Okay? <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, yeah, I think The Pale Blue Eye is just an incredible murder mystery. It's an incredible like biopic, almost, of a small period in Edgar Allan Poe's life. And it's just such a tragic, haunting story with maybe some of the best costuming like every year we get a period piece that wins the costume award i think you know next year's oscars is probably going to be like poor things or something it's gonna be barbie barbie's gonna get a costume uh, you're right that's true it is gonna be barbie okay well if if the period piece was gonna win and i got to pick the award (laughs) it would be the pale blue eye like the set the sets in this movie look like we literally walked into the late 1800s everybody looks period appropriate there's soot on the fucking walls (laughs) like everything's 
dark and dirty. Yeah, like if you saw Sleepy Hollow in 1999 and were like, this is me and I need more of this. Yeah. The Pale Blue Eye, it took 24 years, but we have a follow-up. Yeah, we, we do not have a headless horseman who chops people's heads off. No, but I mean in terms of like the outfits and the palette and then just like yeah. the vibes and the semi-supernaturalness of it. Yes. It is just, mmm, it's so good. It is so fucking Poe because... The best part about Poe is that... I love that. So fucking Poe. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's psychologic. It's a psychological ghost story in a sense. Like, maybe it's a ghost story. Maybe you're just dealing with some dark shit. You know? like. It, but he leaves... He's always left enough room for both to exist. Because that is kind of how people experience ghost stories. Like, it's a sense I have that this is real. And I have no concrete evidence for it. And if I try... If I look at it too long or I look at it like dead on it disappears but in the corners of my eyes it's real and like that's that's the exact kind of ghost story that the pale blue eye is i think it it perfectly encapsulates poe and if you do the if you do the reading uh it maybe deals uh it, it, it oh boy it gets into like poe history where there's maybe possibly a murder that happened at the military academy where Poe was. Yeah, a like young it's boy. a fictionalized story, but yeah. but it plays into the historical fiction of Poe's real life, uh, and just it features some incredible fucking performances. Yeah, honestly, Poe. like Oscar worthy performance from Harry uh, from Harry Melling as Poe because he's playing a young Poe, and it's a Poe that we've never seen before. Yes, and that's what I think is so fucking phenomenal about this movie because Poe is like. Anytime we experience Poe, it's always the end of his life. It's when he's at his most melancholy. Yeah. And he's he's at his most, you know, like, loathsome of the world. Uh-huh. And this this is that melancholy Poe, but there's still that charm of youth in him. Uh-huh. There's still humor and levity, and he hasn't necessarily been crushed by the weight of the world oh, yet. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's so kind of charming to see that he was always melancholy but that there was such a life and like an ambition in him and there was a light in him yes and the performance is just so good honestly fucking Oscar worthy and I don't care that I'm the only person that thinks that I will riot (laughs) yeah I mean I think that's why it had some preview screenings at the end of 2022 I think they were hoping to get it in Oscar contention for this year, which is, you know, it really helps that it hit Netflix early in the year. Everybody had a chance to see it. You know, unfortunately, I don't think it necessarily got voted for or nominated, which is a huge bummer because, yeah, he's uh, Harry Melling. Incredible. Like, you probably know him as, like, the shitty brother. Fucking cousin. Dudley Dursley. Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter movies. He's he's still a young man. Career best performance well, from and him. He, he shares the screen with Christian Bale, who is, like, no fucking... Oh, my God, right? Like, in terms of acting prowess, like... Stealing scenes from Christian Bale is fucking hard. Yeah, and Christian Bale is very subdued in the movie. Like, he's very quiet. He's, but he's like, I don't know, he's a very brooding character. Um, and yeah, just has a incredibly intricate uh, murder mystery that has, you know, whispers of the occult in it. And uh, you're right. Like, it's, it feels like the most honest interpretation of Poe because every other Poe we see, it's as though he's the character in The Raven. And don't get me wrong, The Raven, probably autobiographical when you think about it. But yeah, he, he was a very lovelorn dude. <laughs> yes, there's, there's just a, a 
a caricature of Poe that we've gotten so used to. And it's so nice to break free from that. And it's still a fictionalized version. We're still getting a little bit of fantasy here. Mm-hmm. But it's a new version of Poe that we, we don't get to see. Yeah. And, like, let's not forget, Poe pretty much invented the murder mystery. Like, he really... I, Motherfucking Poe. Yeah. He's the fucking best, man. <laughs> I love Poe so much. And... uh this feels like one of the first movies that has really done him justice. Yeah, and you guys all watch The Fall in the House of Usher, so go watch The Pale Blue Eye. It's on Netflix. It probably was recommended to you after you finished The Fall of the House of Usher. And it's an original story. Like, it's not just something taken from Poe's work, but it does weave in elements and nuggets and just hints of Poe's work in the way that every experience somebody has, you know, in their 20s or 30s when they're a budding artist sort of, you know, seeps into what they do the rest of their life. Yeah, The Pale Blue Eye. It's just incredible. Like, you know, first movie we saw, it's every single movie we saw after that. I was like, wow, this might be my favorite movie of the year. Next to The Pale Blue Eye. <laughs> like, every, every movie had to step up to The Pale Blue Eye to see where it would land on my list. Man, I'm so happy we have the same number one. I don't know if we've done that for like five years. Especially for a movie that we saw so long ago. Right? Yeah. It's been a year since we've seen it almost. Funny enough, actually, I think a lot of the movies on our list we saw in January of 2023. Like, Sundance this year was actually in- like... December of I mean that's right that's now. also that's also fucking true yeah <laughs> Really quick cuz I know this episode's going long do we yeah. want to just lift off some honorable mentions because I feel bad not mentioning some of these movies Yeah what was so real quick what and feel free to talk about it a little bit if you want what was the hardest movie to take off your list like the movie that didn't make it but you're like ooh I'd love to have an alternate where I could put this one in which one hurts the most <laughs> okay this is no it would have been like number I fucking know what it is it would have been like number 10 <laughs> yeah um but the Pope's exorcist I knew it I fucking knew it it's such okay it's a bad movie yeah it's a fucking it's a bad movie but it is so fucking fun and silly and weird and you could just like you can't deny it like you have to just like ride with it Uh it is just (laughs) what it is russell crowe's accent is just like the cafe au lait is the work of the devil (laughs) it's a good accent (laughs) he really holds it the whole movie and it's fucking consistent and you're like daring him to drop it the entire time you're watching it you're like you're gonna fuck up And he doesn't. He's doing, he's so committed to this wild ass movie Uh that you you can't fault it. You're just like, wow, you are here and you are, you are like ready to play. He's not phoning it in. He's a hundred percent into this movie and it's just a wild little possession. I love this new era of Russell Crowe that we have, like him and unhinged. He's really, he's doing the work. He's Um, in his cage era. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we had a great, another great theatrical experience. We saw this movie with some friends uh, that were visiting. You know, shout out, hello, Will Jr. Uh, thank you for taking us to the movies to go see this one. Uh, it was so weird. The movie that hurt for me the most, I think I already mentioned, was The Haunting in Venice. Like, that movie kept going on my list and coming off my list. It's, my, it's 100% my number 11. Um, but as far as, like, other honorable mentions, movies that I wish I could bring up that we just didn't have time to talk about, uh, I thought Appendage was really fun. It's on Hulu. You can check that out sometime. Um, Sisu was was great, but not necessarily horror. I had two that were kind of like uh, fairy tale type horror movies. Dark Harvest, which is a Halloween one. Oh, that one was good. Yeah, it's got a really great Halloween legend. It's kind of a you know in a world not quite unlike our own. Uh, Cobweb, same thing. Really great, tight little mm-hmm. fairy tale. Very creepy, contained. Great little Halloween watch. 
you know, the blackening was really funny. And also, uh, I'll say this. If you have not watched the new season of Black Mirror, uh, there's an episode called Maisie Day that I think you should check out. I'm not going to say anything else about it. The Black Mirror that came out this year was very good. Yeah. Seems a little more geared toward like the horror crowd, right? Yeah. A lot more fun and spooky. Um, there's a like a... 70s disco demon one that's really fucking yeah. good also i'm gonna give a shout out to the last voyage of the demeter because it was just like nosferatu dracula right? in the theater yeah. i'm sad i didn't love it same, but like same. you know what i gotta give it fucking credit because like they made an entire movie of a chapter of dracula and like fucking <laughs> yeah. good on them oh man yeah have your botet just like a really killer nosferatu looking dracula i don't think it did incredibly well at the box office uh, in fact, I know, f- I-, I know for certain that it did not. <laughs> I was trying to find it. I don't actually see it on here anywhere. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I hope they get a sequel. I'd love to see him like a fucking rat bat motherfucker in a suit just walking around London. <laughs> Another one that I couldn't put on my list just be- mainly because it, the plot is just not great and it makes no sense. Uh, but visually, maybe the best thing I've seen in a very long time, The Haunting of the Queen Mary. Uh, oh, sure. Honestly, great kills, great visuals, like combining like retro and modern day. I just have no idea what happened in the movie. (laughs) I'm still processing it like six months later, but like it was just fucking gorgeous. And I wish, I wish I understood it. I wish it made more sense because it could have been my favorite movie of the year just based on like what it looked like alone. Oh yeah. I mean, if you want, if you also want some more great kills, uh, the puppet man's got like some of the best kills of the year when evil lurks is unforgiving. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and then just like some cool indie movies that, that I think, uh, you know, got overlooked a little bit, uh, bury the bride, which you can watch on Tubi. He's got a great little, uh, surprise in it. Um, influencers, a, is a killer thriller movie. It's very pretty, too. It's very pretty. I mean, like, the, there were some great picks this year, like, movies that were, like, on the honorable mention that I'm like, these were a lot of fun. Yeah, one that's coming out this month, I'm not sure the exact date, but it's called Lord of Misrule. It's mm. a very pagany, very, um, you know, Midsummer, the Wicker Man oh, type very movie. Wicker Man, yeah. Yeah, very good small town village with its ancient practices. And if you want, if you want a good laugh cult hero i think we've talked about this movie at the podcast a little bit but it's basically like if what if macho man randy savage decided that he was gonna like get two giant guns and go up against a weird cult it's if dog the bounty hunter <laughs> if do- yeah. like with the reality <laughs> tv angle and everything oh man don't you wish evil dead rise was better Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> great oh. casting honestly the lead deadite she's fantastic yeah no it was a good movie yeah and uh that's gonna do it for 2023 uh obviously we've got some couple we've got some new episodes coming out later this month uh but those are our favorites of the year it's been another successful year high five Kim. high five we fucking did it we did it got some poe on the list really happy about that and just some true like a good spread honestly we got monster movies we got fucked up trippy movies a slasher how long has it been since we've had a slasher on the top 10 I know. it makes me happy it makes me really really happy and some found footage like honestly if there's a good found footage movie it's gonna wind up on the top 10 of the year i think mainly because kim is here on the podcast <laughs> uh, but nice that it's such an incredible uh found footage movie yeah it's been a good spread a lot of good monsters a lot of good subgenres. good year for horror yes
What were your favorites of the year? Let us know on Twitter. On s- Just come to our Discord. Yeah. At nofspodcast.com slash Discord. Keep, I'm getting I, disillusioned I, with social media. I keep plugging the social media, and every time I'm just like, why am I do this? My ma- It's just muscle memory. My mouth just goes for it. Yeah, hit us up at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. Let us know what your favorites of the year were. What movies were you so excited for? Well, what have you rewatched the most? I think that is sometimes how we gauge our favorites. Uh, it's not always the movies that we watch the most, but movies that we know we will watch. 10 more times uh, in the next few years. Let us know what your picks were. And if you're looking to get more holiday stuff on before the season ends, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast because we are dropping our Christmassy special. Um, we're talking about Black Christmas later in the month. It's going to be dope. Fucking who doesn't love Black Christmas? And then on New Year's Eve, we're going to be having a watch party with the Patreon Fiend Club. So you want to join us for that. Uh, the watch parties are always a fucking blast. And this one's going to be festive. Uh, so you can join us at patreon.com slash nightmare on Film Street for a few bucks a month. Uh, and there's tons of bonus episodes and stuff there as well. That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back again next Thursday. But until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.